Mr. Salty Dog here talking with Jed Rowe about his fabulous album Last Hour Winter. Jedro, Halston, Land of Oz, have uh, been recording and singing and writing and touring for quite a few years, and uh, some great material comes from uh, Jedro. Yeah, so let's hear what the man had to say. Welcome, uh, Jedro, to the Sully Dog Blues and Roots. Great to have you on board again. Thanks a lot, Sully. Yeah, good to be here. Um, fantastic piece of work. Um, I don't say that lightly. Um, last day of winter, uh, new album that you've got out. Cheers. And um, love to talk about you, what you've been doing, touring with it, and still doing more of that. And I'd uh, love to talk about the album, how, how it came about. Let's ask the obvious question, why is it called Last Day of Winter? It, well, I sort of racked my brains for the title for this one. Sometimes the album titles are obvious, but for this one I had to actually think about it in the it comes from the lyrics in one of the songs, um, Rise and Fall, one of the album tracks. Yeah. So the full line is, the last day of winter is the first day of spring. And um, it just felt like a good title for this one because um, this is sort of a, a bit of a new phase for me, working with some um, different musicians. I sort of, having worked with essentially the same band for about 10 years, I've decided to, you know, try something, try some different personnel. Um, on this record and um, yeah it just sort of feels like um, one phase ending and another one beginning so there's the title. Yeah well what I noticed about this album I think um, when we last spoke it was the late 90s when you had an album um, which was Midnight Sun. Yeah right I'm just trying to remember I don't I remember doing an interview for uh, The Last Day of Winter. Ah. Is yeah. that the one? No, no sorry, no. that's this one. <laughs> that's this one, that's right. Um, uh, the Ember and the Afterglow, maybe. Previous one of a couple of years ago. No, I don't think it was that I one. I think memory. it was an early one. No, yeah, okay. my, I think I missed that one. Okay. But we missed talking about that one. But um, but what I noticed about this when uh, I first heard it, I mean, I usually have a little um, crude, salty system where I go tick, 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 or <laughs> tick, tick, or not at all. But yeah, yeah. there are a lot of ticks on this one. Each track... Great songwriting, um, which I need to ask you, and great production too. Uh, tell me about the recording of it. So I, I worked with Jeff Lang again on this one. Um, he produced my last album as well. Um, and again, he's got a sort of a, a, a great home studio set up at his place, so you're not sort of thinking about, you know, how, how long you've been in there and worrying about time and money and things. Yeah. You just kind of, um, yeah, it's a good relaxed environment. Um, but we used some different players, um, Cat uh, Canteri and Justin Bernasconi from a Melbourne band called the Stilsons, um, who I've sort of known for quite a few years um, and, and hung out with here and there. But um, yeah, I just sort of wanted, um, particularly wanted female harmonies um, 
on this record and Kat's a great harmony singer and then I'd been a big fan of Justin's um, solo album The Last Day of Winter so I keep stuck <laughs> <laughs> he's plagiarised yeah. no Justin's album's called Winter Pick sorry um, sorry it's after a Saturday night here <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it, I'm going to call every album I talk about in this interview The Last Day of Winter I can see it yeah good, just good brand promotion yeah. <laughs> subtle isn't it um, yeah, Winter Pick, Justin's album's a great album of sort of acoustic um, fingerstyle guitar and, and bluegrass. So I was a big fan of that. Um, and they're, they're really good guys, and um, so I thought it'd be interesting to work with a band yeah. made entirely of uh, other singer-songwriters, which, it, which it was a really good experience. Yeah, your own songwriting, I think I commented when I first heard it, my reaction was a lot of depth an understanding of the common man I think was what I'd said um, and I think I, what, what I gathered from that there was a lot of talk about the environmental issues there was like personal trials and tribulations but you had a great way of describing someone's inner conflicts and other things is this something that's um, I mean you've always done that in your lyrics but it seemed to be a great maturity on this album what, what do you put that oh, down to? Yeah thanks a lot um that's yeah that's that's a nice thoughtful bit of feedback um i mean i guess hopefully it's just a matter of you know um going through the writing and and recording and releasing process again and again and hopefully getting better at it Mm. each time you know and I, i i do think as well having worked with jeff lang on the last album um though he's known sort of straight off the bat you think of his guitar playing but he's actually really good on the sort of songwriting side of things as well and um, just, just sort of from some of the workshopping we did on songs on my last album, I think that kind of really helped um, when it came to the writing process for this one. Just, just in terms of sort of, um, I mean, a song is such a, it's a short, streamlined piece of writing. Um, mm. It's almost like, you know, it's a little bit similar to a short story in some ways as compared to, say, a novel, but, but even more condensed. So you, don't, you really don't have a lot of words to try and sort of... Um, tell a story in but you're still trying to outline characters and put people in a situation I guess and yeah I guess it's just a matter of you know keeping keeping working on it and and improving I mean that that track dark uh, dark black rain black rain black rain yeah. um, sort of talks about someone conflicted and um, mm. uh, and uh, you know environmental mining is there's referencing their um the darling 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 downs, darling downs and northern rivers yeah parts of, of australia mm. so is that sort of like autobiographical is it written about someone you know or he came by here on a friday Some polished man in a suit and tie He was shaking hands and smiling And he looked me in the eye He said, I'm here to help you I could be a wealthy man I was mortgaged to the eyeballs I couldn't turn him down Black rain falling from the sky 
black rain Now it's raining on you England That's a little there is an autobiographical element in that one because um I grew up in northern New South Wales and um, and lived lived in a in well lived in a couple of places in the Tweed Valley out near Ukiah and Mount Warning uh, and then also further south near Lismore and um, there was a sort of a approval for a mine out near a little town called Bentley and and a big sort of protest and blockade and things it was in the news a lot so that sort of um because that was a town that I'd grown up in and I knew all those areas personally and yeah that felt really like a sort of a personal affront to me I kind of did take it personally you know whereas if it's um you know if it's sort of uh I guess that feels like my country if you know what I mean I mean it's a I grew up there and i yeah, you grow up in the country and you kind of, you do have a connection to the place. And so um, I, I, I guess I just felt I had a lot of personal emotional investment in that. Um, and then also just from reading, I read a, a newspaper article um, about a family in Queensland, I think in an area called Tara. And that the, the title Black Rain actually came from the, this interview that guy was mm. describing um, having this, you know, yeah. black, thick rain yeah. settling on their house and on their car and, you know. So, yeah, a combination of just observing the news and things like that and then, um, you know, bits bits from my own life, which I suppose is what, you know, good good writing often comes from. It's a amalgam of observing other people and then you sort of... There's bits of yourself in there somewhere as well. Yeah, there was a line in there like... I just have to do the best I can. I'll get on with my day. Um, yeah. Which like like like, a, like it was a line of resignation. Like there was all this talk. You know, there, there, there was the 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 character and the, the song was a defining. Um, you know, a conflict with the with the environmental and the guy had to sell his mm. house for them mm. to pay off his mortgage. But then in the end, he couldn't do much about it. I mean, yeah, the, there's the powerlessness, I suppose, yeah. isn't that? If you're in a situation where you're at the mercy of kind of bigger forces than yourself, mm. yeah, that was great. You're a song uh, story writer too. I I did some quick research, mm. and um, Emily, you won a um, a national short story writers competition a yeah. while back, which might Along... explain the quality of the writing here. Where, where does the writing come from? Um, I I guess just as a kid, I was always interested in writing at school and stuff like that, and. and um, you know, got encouragement from teachers and things like that. And then um, I did some study of creative writing uh, at Southern Cross University. I just, I just sort of did the first year or so of a, of the, a good writing course they had there. Um, and so a lot of, you know, that was a pretty practical course. And so you'd write short stories and go to writers' workshops and sort of have you know, could sort of um, feedback sessions and, and the uh, the lecturers there were practising, you know, novelists and things like that. So, again, I guess you're doing short story writing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got a bit of some parallels with, with writing songs. Yeah, so I think it's not easy to be a, a succinct and uh, um, uh, communicative writer that mm. actually gets a story across in a... In a three-minute song, you know, I'm thinking of Bob Dylan. It's like a three-minute yeah. three-minute song's a two-hour movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it, it's it's a it's a talent and an art form in itself, as well as the music. Yeah, cheers. I mean, it's it's interesting too that 
I, I sort of I haven't done a lot of writing for, of prose for a long time. I guess since I sort of got got heavily into songwriting, that's kind of been my avenue. But every so often, I'll sit down and sort of um, just sort of just have a go at, at sort of a short story kind of thing. And I find it sort of um, it's a good exercise. It kind of helps just free things up a little bit because I think you kind of can get get stuck in the mechanics of of whatever you're doing, songwriting or whatever. So sometimes sitting down and doing some prose writing just kind of opens things up and and might yeah just sort of get the the creativity flowing again. I was interviewing Jeff Lang um, recently, and he um, he mentioned he never tries to um, judge his own writing. He just lets mm. it flow like a stream of consciousness thing. Does that happen with you? Um, when it's... Yeah, sometimes I'd say that. I mean, I think there's room for two phases with writing. There's room for the stream of consciousness thing you're talking about, which is where you're, you're um, spitting out the ideas and you just want to let it come out as uninhibited and unencumbered as you can and then later on there's room for the critical thinking and crossing out this and thinking, seeing what does and doesn't work mm. in a piece of writing um, and if you go into the critical frame of thinking while you're still trying to spit out the initial ideas often that'll shut down the process and you, you, know, you can't get back into the the stream of consciousness yeah. writing, so yeah, I think it's good while you while you're first sort of um, getting things down to just let it out without thinking too critically about it, and then later you can come back to it and sort of you know do yeah. a bit of editing. Maybe this is why um, uh, drunken artists always said they did their best uh, work when they were under the influence. Of that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, it's um, you know, I guess whatever. I, I again thinking of. Um, of the writing study, I remember one of the lecturers I had um, talking about writing, and you know I can't remember their, her exact words, but something like you know if if you need to drink half a bottle of whiskey and stand on your head to write, then do that, you know, <laughs> just whatever sort of whatever works, whatever gets. Yeah, we're talking with uh, Jed Rowe from Land of Oz, uh, talking about his album Last Day of Winter and songwriting and everything else. I knew your heart and head Woke up next to a stranger Lying in my king-size bed If there's something going wrong Just lay it on the line going look look there's a track here called fire mm. and um i think my first reaction was that that sounds like girth morlich which is not to do, do you need to cry the, the quality of what you've done here uh jed but uh, yeah, girth yeah. morlich as you know you know produced lucinda williams for a long time and um that's where we all regarded in the alternative country americana scene yeah that track um and, and other tracks like it um are you looking for a particular sound or, or is it mm. how do you define what you're trying to, to look for in this album um, it's well it's hard to, to answer that because I guess there's when you make an album there's so many different stages like when you, there's the initial songwriting phase where you'll spit out for me I'll write a 
usually, you know, over a couple of years or whatever, I'll write a lot more songs than I actually need. Mm. And those songs might have a whole lot of different styles, you know, different that you cover in there. And then you make the decisions of choosing which songs you record. So that'll that'll shape the sound of an album because you might. Um, I mean, I guess this this new record, the last day of winter's more got more of an Americana and country flavour than the stuff I've done in the past. But I probably could have picked a completely different record yeah. of, of songs, you know. Yeah. That would, but um, so you just, I mean, my process there is just trying to pick the strongest songs, you know. But there's still Jeff Lang, actually the producer, had a lot of hand in choosing which songs we recorded. So. Again, there's there's his tastes coming to shaping, you know, the sure. sounds, um, and then there's the decisions you make when you record it, you know, the kind of um, production, you know, whether you go for, I guess I, the last my last couple of records, I've in a, in a lot of ways just gone for trying to get live takes, you know, which which has a you get a few more rough edges, perhaps with that, but you also get a sort of a a, a good rawness and energy. Yeah. Um, so again, and then you know you decide whether you do you want a string quartet or do you want a banjo. You know all these decisions yeah. sort of shape the sound. So um, yeah, I, I guess my thoughts for this album were just um, that I I wanted um, I knew I wanted some female harmonies. Yeah. And um, I guess I just wanted the I, I think for me this is kind of a singer songwritery record. I wanted the songs to sort of um, you know to be to be strong and to to kind of shape the way we produced it. And I scrambled up the mountain on my hands and knees and every breath did burn from the smoke and heat then I heard a call Find other people staying to pick up your songs. Um, how do you mean? Do you mean like recording them covering? or playing them? Um, no, no, I've never had that experience. I'm sure it'd be. Um, I'm sure be a, that'd be a good compliment. I've just <laughs> been touring with Alison Ferrier, and she's um, mentioned a couple of times. Susanna Espy does one of her songs live, and how much of a compliment that is to have someone, you know, an artist you respect, pick up one of your songs. But um, no, it's just me doing the songs so far, but, you know, hey, they're, they're out there. They're, they're fair game, I suppose. So. Yeah, well, let's hope that happens. Some, some great material there. I, I could see it on a um, uh, SBS documentary, some of that stuff about um, the, the, the back blocks of Australia. So. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> some great sounds. Yeah. Um, look, on this album, you're playing everything from um, acoustic guitar, electric slide, piano, fiddle, lap steel, <laughs> percussion, harmonica, resonator. This is a hell of an arsenal of um, of, uh, of instruments. Is, it, is this something you've always done, Jed? No, not really. I mean, I I started music as a guitar player because um, my dad's a guitar player as well, and I um, yeah started out playing acoustic guitar, and then um, wanted to. I guess I just wanted to write songs, so I started singing as well. Um, but the yeah, particularly the piano and fiddle on this album are kind of new things for me, and I've had a few goes i didn't do piano lessons as a kid or anything but 
I've had a few goes over the years at, at learning the piano and it's never really stuck but then on this one it kind of um, got comfortable enough that that I wrote a few of the songs I wrote on the piano so that sort of changes the you know the way you, you write songs you sort of different instruments will suggest different chord structures and and tempos and things like that so um, yeah that sort of affects the flavour and then the fiddle I sort of I picked up basically to sort of pass the time almost which sounds sort of flippant but I had um, we had a few layoffs in the recording process with this one where we were just waiting for everybody's schedules to align because um, Jeff Lang who produced it and Justin and Kat from the Stilsons who were sort of the core of the band all had other projects and releases and things going on at the, t- at the same time so there was about two months where we had to just I had to just wait and I was itching to finish off the record so to sort of divert that energy somewhere I picked up the fiddle just to sort like my initial idea was probably just to sort of you know work out maybe write some parts for mm. someone else to come and play you know someone who could actually play the thing but then yeah. uh yeah just practiced it and um was you know was uh capable enough to play it on the record fantastic yeah. fantastic um, you've been touring. You mentioned a tour, you, and uh, as we speak, you're halfway through a tour, or two yeah, thirds of the way yep, through a tour. Yep. Who's been on the tour, and what have you been, where have you been going? Uh, been touring with Alison Ferrier, who's um, just released her second album as well. And um, the reason for that was we basically sort of used the same creative team. So Alison recorded hers with Jeff Lang producing as well, and. Justin Bernasconi and Kat Canteri were the sort of bones of her band as well. Um, and so, yeah, just sort of being, you know, all um, sort of comfortable little circle, we thought it'd be mm. fun to, to tour. So, we, yeah, we did, we've done uh, Canberra, Sydney, Brisbane and a bunch of regional New South Wales dates so far. And um, touring with a band full of songwriters is really good. It's, mm. Yeah, they're really... What's good about it? Um... They, I think they just come from the point of view of um, putting the songs first and getting the songs across as the sort of the main goal. And a lot of musicians talk about that, mm. but I think when the other guys uh, do the, have done the singer songwriter thing themselves, um, that comes through a bit stronger. And they just they're, they've just got a good attitude. Those guys as well. They're always sort of focused on improving the music you know um which again everyone you'd think that should be everyone's focus but on tour there's all sorts of things you can sort of get distracted by or hung up on and so um yeah they were were a great mob and and you know we had a lot of fun as well a lot of laughs and you mean mainly uh, acoustic or electric um how do you how do you tour with this this particular record oh i've been playing a bit more acoustic on this uh on the live show so far, partly because I've got Justin Bernasconi, who's a really great guitar player, um, who's sort of been doing a lot of the electric duties. But then there's um, there's a couple where I play electric for the the bottleneck slide parts because um, they're parts that I played on the album, and, and Justin's sort of um, doing the acoustic duties. So it's a bit of and and one or two lap steel ones of stuff from previous records. So there's a bit of um, there's quite a lot of instrumentation going on actually and we've, we've had because we've got Alison Ferrier on the shows as well um, she's been 
playing the fiddle parts, which is right. great. And then yeah, I've been playing some lap steel on some of her songs, and and uh, you know three part vocal harmonies with Justin and Cat, and yeah. there's, a, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Well, I interviewed Luke Sinclair from Raised oh, by yeah. Eagles yeah. recently, and I suggested to him there was a little bit of a club. Mm. An old country, old country club in Melbourne. Is that true? Uh, You're all sort of interconnected? Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I think there's an interconnection for sure. It's funny, the idea of a club, because my personal feeling is if there's a club, I always feel like I'm I'm not in it. You, you should know what be I mean? in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, they haven't told you yet. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, I no, guess it, it's it, a it's a supportive sort of scene, and I mean every every, every human being has got an ego, and they're all, everyone's sort of trying to um, get their own stuff out there, of course. But I find in Melbourne, people are pretty friendly and pretty supportive in general. Mm. Um, and I guess is is if there's a club, it's sort of just um, you know if you if you can surround yourself with people other songwriters who you really admire and respect it does mm. a lot for your own work because you sort of I mean if you get some nice feedback on a song from someone who you think is, is great then that you know you really sort of um, that's meaningful yeah you know yeah mm. well, and there seems to be um, I mean Melbourne's very healthy in terms of music communities mm. and there's a number of communities I guess and um and uh, the the quality of material coming out in the old country Americana, mm. whatever genre we want to put on it, is is um, you know probably second to none around the, uh, at the moment around the world. It's some fantastic stuff that needs needs to be out there. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think there's a lot of good stuff. And if I think about what I list- like to listen to at home, a lot of the time it's people I know. I mean, I've got two kids and. Um, they like you know they'll request my son the other day requested raised by eagles new song jackie and he said he wants the bit at the end where there's the big guitar part you know and he said that's my kids are sort of being brought up on that melbourne stuff because we listen to it at home because it's good you know and i'm I'm not sort of i guess if you know someone you you have a personal connection maybe you you're inclined to think more highly of it but yeah i mean people like liz stringer and mentioned raised by eagles um, Alison Ferrier and you know the Stilsons and Tracy McNeil's album was great. Yeah, that's right. There's there's a lot of um, there's certainly a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and I think Susanna you're doing S- your... Susanna Espy again. He's yes. got a new album out at the moment. It's one of my favourites too. Still haven't heard that one, but I'll, I'll have to mention it to her. Yeah, the, the um, you're doing a, a launch in Melbourne. Probably you might listen to this after the event, but it's going to be uh, Alison Ferrier yourself with Van Walker, who's another yeah. Melbourne singer songwriter. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Again, I guess sort of we've we've just had this East Coast run with uh, Alison and myself and the Stilsons guys, and just had heaps of fun. So I'm sort of looking forward to just getting together with them again, and you know, it's almost a little tour reunion kind of thing. I'm sure that yeah, I'm sure the gig will be a good one. Now, future-wise, you um, well, I should go back. I'll just go back a little. I think you toured Europe last year. Is that correct? Yeah, um, that's the first time I played outside Australia. So I did a about a month long run mostly in Germany and a little bit in the Netherlands as well um, which was just a solo solo run um, but I was sort of paired up through through the agency that I that booked that run of shows with a paired up with a, a bluegrass band from the States called Merrygold so I did sort of about half the shows with them and half by myself and um, yeah it was a great experience just right. just to be able to I mean to the travel experience and um, you know being in a different culture is really enjoyable, whether you're playing music or not. But um, 
being able to play every single day as well because I sort of I, there wasn't really a day off at all so you, it's hard to do that in Australia for a sustained period of time because we just don't have the population whereas you go to Europe and you can mm. drive an hour and play to a whole new audience drive another hour you know and <laughs> yeah. um, so what I found is just playing every day um, the music of course gets really polished but also just um, just the, the level of comfort of, with being on stage and telling your stories and sort of you know engaging the audience um, I felt like that got really sharpened as well just through doing it every day yeah and I've heard that the uh, European um, audiences are very attentive they really are particularly well I spent most of my time in Germany um, so I guess that's what I'm speaking from most from experience but yeah a lot of probably the majority of the shows as soon as you start playing there's just silence which is really you, you, you can get that here in Australia but it's sort of more the exception than the rule whereas um, With no footy on the telly what's the problem yeah <laughs> that's right no footy on the telly and, and you know no sort of I mean I, I remember one gig where there was a I'd been warned that it was university night you know so there'd be all uni students and it might be a noisy one so I was sort of prepared for yeah. a, a rabble of a gig and there was this one table of sort of university students sitting up the front, and they, you know, they were talking a little bit, and slightly, uh, you know, I could hear them a little bit. But then I had a, a break in the set, and they came up and they asked if they were being too noisy and apologised, and wow. you know, bought CDs and stuff. And I just thought that would never happen in Australia, you know, <laughs> like a bunch of uni students out for yeah. a few beers, and they're worried about disturbing the artist at work, you know. Yes, yes, yes. They do have a different attitude. Well, uh, it must be a cultural thing. We'll have to try and change that. God, I would love it. Yeah. Um, the the other thing that's good for, as an artist is they really they still like to buy CDs in. Europe whereas um, yeah you really I've noticed with this album just the it's sort of I think it's just getting harder and harder to sell well distributors are folding and things like that and oh, there's just lots of changes mm. with you know changing technologies and now um, I mean downloads were growing for a while now they're sort of dying off because it's all about streaming now which Spotify is and which the... is essentially the evil twin well it's essentially you know free as far exactly. as exactly. and and essentially the music musicians are making it and giving it away for free so it's um it's tricky it's tricky these days to work out how you sustain things in that environment you know um, yeah i think there has to be a campaign that um artists you should pay a cover charge and you should buy a cd yeah, um, well, I mean... Or you get a CD with your cover charge. <laughs> yeah, there's there's certainly still a music-loving audience out there that that um, values music and will, you know, is happy to sort of to pay a cover charge and mm. buy a CD and stuff like that. So if you can tap into to that audience, then, you know, people still respect it. But um, I guess the tricky thing is just the younger generations that have grown up with the attitude that you just get music for free off the internet so that's that's the challenge and everything else yeah well that's yeah, right that's music right. and films and yeah it's true it's not a it's not just uh the music industry that's sort of that's right that's changed but um you know yeah i think we're in a, we're in a um, uh, you know transition to where i'm not sure exactly and it's it's a it's an ongoing transition because mm. there's you know it's um the technology will just keep 
changing and evolving. So yeah, that's right. But um, um, but technology can't create music, although they'll try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still I think human. it sounds like neat, 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 it's neat, still neat. a human thing, and that that's the thing. Like, it's it's obviously it's a human drive to create music and to listen to it. So that'll always be there, but just sort of um, working out how to sort of sustain making the records and stuff. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a an ongoing evolution i suppose well before the recording industry which is still only a modern invention anyway mm. um all musicians had patrons yeah or they just yeah. played folk music at night yep. and weekends yeah um so i'm not sure whether we're going back to that but um the patrons always had to play what the uh, the patron patron or yep. wanted you know if you if you um look at some of the classics you know they had to right to keep the patron happy to a brief yeah yeah, yeah I so yeah. <laughs> i don't know about the creative process there yeah um so so what's what's in the future jed have you you're working on a new album or new songs not, not quite working on a new album and new songs yet though i'm kind of i'm starting to look forward to that because it's funny by the time you get around to releasing a record a new album it's sort of it's not new to you anymore because yeah. you've you've written the songs probably over the last two three years and then you've um recorded them all and by the time it's released you know it inside out so um yeah i'll, I'll with this we're sort of halfway through this album launch tour so it's kind of hard to see too far beyond that at the moment but um i'll probably do another video or two i've sort of I've, been really enjoying that process of making music videos over the last yeah. couple of years and I've worked with Lachlan Bryan on a couple who's a great country singer-songwriter himself but um, yeah makes really good videos as well so he and I have got uh, an idea in the works um, and then I'd like to get back to Europe before too long as well hopefully in the next 12 months or so and um, yeah just sort of follow up on that tour and, and then yeah I'm sure there'll be some more more touring in Australia as well, um, so I guess it's you know the sort of the whole cycle rolls on. You kind of yeah. you finish releasing an album, and uh, what I just find is as soon as I have any length of time off, my mind just starts to get into writing songs, and that tips you into the whole yeah. process again. You yeah. know, yeah. yeah. And as you say, once you once you finish it, it's, it's the, it, that's last year's uh, set of songs. And, it is. But yeah. It's new for everybody else. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that that is exciting as well, getting to. Um, to get your work out and, and you know, it's, it's good when, when people like it and respond well to it and stuff like that. It's interesting as well. Some, yeah, sometimes, um, especially if you get, you know, reviewers or radio people or um, critics who sort of engage with your stuff in a thoughtful way, sometimes they give you different perspectives on, on what you've created that, that can be interesting, you know. Great. Look, really appreciate your time, uh, Jed, on Solid Dog Blues and Roots. You've done a great piece of work, and we're looking for a. We're always looking for the next one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pleasure. Thanks. Uh, but, no, really appreciate it, and uh, we wish you well with the ongoing tour and with your ongoing songwriting. Some really high quality material there, and we love to hear it. So, thanks again, Jed Rowe. Cheers, yeah. My pleasure. Yeah, the Sonic Dog here. We've been talking with Jed Rowe about his album, The Last Day of Winter. Yeah, if you want to know more what Jed's doing, get on to jedrowe.com and uh, check him out. Ooh, we gathered the pieces up
Yeah.